clear. We are the weirdos. I am God. What? I tried to warn her. All right. We're... I, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna dispense with the sort of introductions as we typically do them. We are in an absolutely fucking insane situation right now. Me and Sam, we're not alone in the room. Sam, can you tell the people how we are not alone in the room right now? Uh, well, we have a very special guest with us today. Yeah, uh, somebody that has come up before, I believe, on the pod. Yeah, yeah, um, I would say. Jordan, go ahead. You're you're better with intros. Uh, yeah. Uh, we've leveled up to Oscar status on the Odyssey podcast. <laughs> Uh, resident Oscar winner, can you please introduce yourself and tell the tell the friends at home uh, who you are and what you've brought to our doorstep today? Um, so I am Emerald Fennell, <laughs> and I have brought to your doorstep. To, I have crept up yes the little wooden stairs <laughs> and tapped at your window of the little cabin that I'm that that you're living in in the garden um with uh yes. the absolute masterpiece that is the crush starring Carrie Elwes and Alyssa Silverstone Woo! it is a it's a masterpiece it's an artifact the audacity the gall as I believe the audacity the gall the gumption as Sam has brought to the podcast before of this movie I I want you to know that I have currently on my eBay watch list right now an original shrink-wrapped VHS of The Crush because I think I need, I need, I know I need the original Darien audio cut of The Crush. Nick Elliott was looking for a nice, quiet place to write. He thought he found it with the Forrester family. <laughs> then he met Darien. So here's the thing. Which, I, so obviously I started looking into The Crush. Yes, yes. After, after watching it and, you know, loving it just as much, just as heartily as I had, you know, many, many years ago. Yeah. So what I didn't know was, and what all of your listeners may know, but is that the director based this story on real life, named the girl in it after Dorian, after the real girl who'd sort of, well, allegedly. Allegedly. For purposes, allegedly terrorized. <laughs> And so, so then, then dubbed it to Adrian afterwards. Yes. But I only ever watched it on VHS. Okay, of course. So I, I only knew her as Dorian. So I found it really weird what the experience of watching it on Netflix recently. I was like, yep. so weird. The name has changed. And then obviously realized after this information. Anyway, sorry. No, no, no. That I, it's it's fact. What a shocker! I so I had no idea. Most people don't know this most people do no, not know and because i so i worked at a video store where we rented it and we had only the dvd which was the uh adrian version so yeah. when i ran it at movie night and jordan was like is it the darian version i had no idea what she was talking about and my god the rabbit hole i jumped into <laughs> after finding that out this adds a layer to the film that is uh that makes it i think even more of a masterpiece yeah yeah and it, I think it's Alan Alan Shapiro or Shapiro. I don't know the correct pronunciation of it. But this is basically the the OJ's "If I Did It" of cinematic experiences. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah, yes, you're right. Yes, it really is. Yeah, this is this is this is a man. This is, I think, the one and only thing he might have made. Being like, I was definitely terrorized by this girl, and I'm going to make a movie to show you how terrorized I was by this erotic mastermind 14 year old I mean, the thing is is that the film he did after it was flipper <laughs> i can't believe it i cannot okay. believe it okay that's new information to me i so i've been looking up alan shapiro because i have to say like the crush look for all that it is of its time it is still an incredibly gripping gripping brilliant and uh, and you know i've got to say enthralling the, the casting you know uh, there's so much about this movie that is actually like stone cold brilliant yes this is alicia silverstone's first movie introducing alicia silverstone so I, I saw on the imdb little factoid section that reese witherspoon had auditioned wow but of course she was in my absolute favorite other film fear Fear. On which she was finger banged yes. on a roller coaster. I think the the answer we we just I think I've just decided that you're we need to make sure you know you're invited back to talk about fear whenever you would like to do the fear episode. Anytime. Because... My boy at my high or my high school graduation, my college graduation, 
in honor of movie night, my boyfriend lifted off his shirt and beat his chest with uh, Sam for Eva oh <laughs> written across God. it. So I just want to let you know, like you are in good company. Yeah. <laughs> but it felt like, but so, but so, so the Alan Shapiro of it all, like, yeah, this movie he is like, you know, it, it, it was great and Flipper, well, I, I haven't seen it for many years, but I loved Flipper. It was a big, you know, it was a big family movie. But he hasn't done anything since. And no. I was like, I was kind of, I was surprised because like, you know, he should, he should have, he should have. I mean, that's rare. You know, there's, there's a Shout Factory release of The Crush where he does audio commentary about the film. I've never seen it, but I was looking up, I was like, have there been like special release treatments of The Crush? And I found the Shout Factory one and I was like, ooh, I might need the VHS as well as the Shout Factory release of The Crush to figure out what's going on. Not find the Shout Factory one. I mean, you could probably ask him on. <laughs> that is probably true. While Ghost Sam returns to returns to the Zoom, I am gonna. I will just throw to you now. What is what was that? Do you remember the first impression of the crush that you had compared to like later impressions as you like matured with this film? So I guess the the difference, the crucial difference is, is when I first saw it. I was, I'm going to call her Dorian because that is the version that I am familiar with. Yeah, yeah. No, I, she's Darian forever. She's Darian forever. Darian? Yes. Is it Darian, not Dorian? It's Darian. Mm-hmm. Okay, Darian. I'm I didn't know if that was your, I didn't know if that was an accent situation. I was like, I'm not going to, I don't. I don't know. I think it was just a, a madness. <laughs> so when I first watched it, I think I would have been 10. I watched it a lot for many years, me and my best friend. Daisy obsessively watched this movie. What a great best friend movie. Still know every word. Like when I watched it, I was like, yeah, 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 I know it. I know it. I made lemonade. You know. <laughs> My husband was like, woo. <laughs> so, and now, so I was, so then I was, you know, closer to Dorian's age. Dorian's. Yes. Now I am Nick's age. And obviously, I feel very differently about the movie. Uh, because when I first saw it, I was like, well, this is a sexy movie. This is a sexy movie. Very attractive. Oh, this helps me think. Sexy movie. Yeah. This is a sexy movie about a totally legit relationship. <laughs> Absolutely. Very relatable young woman and <laughs> like platonic ideal of a man. Uh-huh. Both then and now. <laughs> so like, so obviously watching it again, it was very complicated. Yes. Because it had residual, because I was in love at the time with both Alicia Silverstone and Carrie Elwes. And also, and I, and yeah, do you know what I mean? I was like, who here is the more- Understandably. I'm just, I love them both equally. As a, as a young queer girl, not yet at all discussing those terms or, or feelings or things, um, that was a, it was important, as we like to say on the Odsterion pod, it's important. It is important. And it was like, and, and, and at the time, and even, well, it's interesting now coming at it from two different perspectives, but it is, the whole point of it is it is transgressive. Yes. And the reason that Alyssa Silverstone is such a troubling and genius casting genius. for this is that she is unbelievably beautiful and she does play, and this is like problematic, the word to use, but you know, she is femme fatale is like an awful gross word because I was wrecking myself the entire mm -hmm. time I was watching it this week doing this exact same thing in my head being like oh my god this is one of the most affecting erotic thriller performances I've ever seen and she had to legally emancipate herself to be in this movie to work the hours that were required to be an actress on set because she was so young and yet it is one of the it is one of the most effectively erotically evocative performances of that era that is chalked full of erotically evocative performances it's very hard to reconcile it's a it's a very complicated watching process and I think further complicated by the fact that when I first watched it as I say it was part of that kind of hitting puberty so it was like part of the whole thing for, yep. for me. and then you watch it again and you're like ooh, this isn't a good start <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
to me for any of us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that camera traveling up her body meant a lot to me at the time. And it means a lot to me now, but in a way that I feel a lot worse about. Totally. And I, I think because I was younger than her at the time. So I was, I'm younger than Lissy Silverstone. No, no, I was like younger than her. She seemed old, you know, just by virtue of my younger age. Yes. Yes, I didn't really understand the nuance. Whereas now I am Nick's age, more or less. <laughs> yeah. Watch the scene when they kiss and I'm like, what the holy hell yeah. are you doing? What are you thinking? Get away from her, get away from her. Get away from her, get away from her, get away from her. Get away from her. Like, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. And 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 also like moments, I mean, I'm going to go all over the place because this movie is so Please. just like mind blowing in so many ways. But I wrote down a quote. Firstly, I just want to like show you. These are the like, notes that I wrote below with <laughs> yes. and they say things like going to nationals <laughs> <laughs> and attic carousel <laughs> oh my god just like things I wrote down like what I also have attic carousel in my notes bingo <laughs> all caps why did my dad the whole the attic carousel scene about a dad giving away his daughter's virginity you know like yeah. Okay, so in that scene, firstly, the attic carousel, like, firstly, your dad building you an attic carousel <laughs> is the funniest thing I've ever heard. And he's like, and he's sitting on his carousel. It is, it is the most haunted thing that has ever happened. And he's like, and the dad's like, she never really liked it. And you're like, of course she did it. <laughs> because it's absolutely psychotic. And also, why has like, the roof full in it? <laughs> what is supporting that carousel? Most, some houses can't even have a waterbed. Yeah, <laughs> you guys have a a full functioning carousel. Yeah, why don't you just put a whole pool in Olympic depth pool in your fucking attic? There were a lot of like structural integrity problems, like the shrine, the shrine full the shrine. of candles, <laughs> a very parched wooden structure, <laughs> fully enclosed, not a window in sight. No health and safety problem troubles there. This is a firebox below him. <laughs> waiting to go it's waiting yeah. To go. yeah the un the unconsidered d plot of the crush the house that's just waiting to go in on itself well i just know that like i'm a mother now in all that like tragic way that all i was thinking was like i really hope he blows out those candles <laughs> yeah. fine. but like oh my god there's just so much but but yeah so the carousel attic <laughs> the quote that like i want just on my wall is this past year, she's really blossomed. Physically, I mean. The dad. From that, the dad. That's coming from dad. That's coming from daddy. This past year, she's really blossomed. Physically, I mean. The, the dad. And then Carrie, Carrie's response being, Hmm, I noticed. And then they just let that breathe. <laughs> they just let that... Dad doesn't say like, excuse me? It's just, I noticed. And then Carrie knows he fucked up and he's like, huh. But dad's just like, he side-eyes him for a second and then he's like, nah, I hear you, brother. Like, yeah. you can hear his male internal, his his fucked up guy internal monologue being like, yeah, I noticed Amber Benson, the neighbor girl too. Don't worry about it, man. Like, <laughs> it's so, and also it's so like, look, it's so, it reminded me there's an amazing Amy Schumer like skit that she did like a few years ago and I just remember all the time because it was so much it just it felt so true w was that mums with their sons when they meet the son's girlfriend yes yes and and Amy Schumer does this thing where she says the mother is always like mm, but I wanted to fuck it <laughs> <laughs> and like I do feel kind of like there's this there's this kind of like roiling creepy incestuous vibe going on the parents are fascinating in that same scene the dad is making it very clear that what he's upset about is that someday a kid will find his daughter attractive like he goes out of, he goes out of his way to say that and then when nick does notice that she's blossomed or whatever he says nothing they just lock eyes and it's like <laughs> oh okay i see what's going on the dad is just spelling it out for us Right. Like, and that is something I would not have picked up when I was younger. And no. And in the way that this movie, I think looking at it in a 2020, 2021 lens is different than obviously 
uh, in a 93 lens, but sure. in, in a way that the movie doesn't know it. I think that when the dad, like the whole idea that this father has built, like his thing is he says like it, he, he built it piece by piece in the attic over the years yeah. for her. And it's like, he never checked to see if it was something that she would even want. Oh, I just showing Nick your carousel. It's your carousel, dad. Remember I ride real horses now? But that said, it's also like, his whole thing is like, oh, she wasn't that interested in it. But it's also like, yeah, but dude, you took years to build a carousel. I don't know. I think if I was a kid, I would lose interest too. <laughs> and it seems like he has no fault in any of this. And it's just like, yeah, it must've been her. And I think in a way, like the movie doesn't really know that. Like, it's like, because it's such a male perspective. It's like, yep, got, this is obviously her problem that she doesn't like the carousel. Yeah. The, and the woman that Nick becomes involved with at the paper, because if there's one thing we know about female journalists, it's that they will fuck anyone anyone at all times regardless and, of and crucially wear a belt and braces yeah. <laughs> hold up their shorts their jorts their jorts absolutely yep absolutely and there's there's one she is the only person who for one moment is like look nick i've been there you have to be the adult you can't blur the line what are you saying i did something to provoke this well, did you? Oh, of course not. And then cut to a couple scenes later and she's like joking with him about like, oh, Nicholas, darling. And just like participating with him in the funning about this girl clearly having eyes for him and absolutely absolving him of any culpability within their relationship about how he might be involved with the landlord's child. But isn't that, is that, I mean, to play the devil's advocate. Please, here, please. I mean, isn't that a an uncomfortable honesty? Yes. Maybe on purpose, maybe by mistake, that actually Amy, who is very beautiful and very uh, age appropriate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I mean, like 25. Like, <laughs> journalists at the top of their game yeah yeah like like time from as time immemorial tells us and a supermodel yeah, yeah. <laughs> um she is jealous she is jealous you know like adrian go play that moment because the thing is felicia silverstone i'm afraid she's sort of rocked up in a gingham swimsuit anywhere near anyone i was dating i would be like Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> In a word. That, I think I think that stuff is all, I mean, that's all fascinating. And again, what's so interesting watching it. Oh, and this is so dark. Amy's the bad guy. Amy's the bad guy. Yeah, Amy's the shrew. Amy's the shrew. But like, of course she's not the shrew. As you say, she's the right one. And then she, and then, I mean, and then she gets killed by, well, what we know, what we are told very explicitly Vespula, yellow jacket. <laughs> yeah, I was really hoping that would come up with you. And, but they are clearly bees. <laughs> very. Right, they're very much not wasps. Yellow jackets, genus Vespula, they all stay. Bees won't bother you unless you bother them. Wasps are different. They're territorial and they're social. Social? Like they want to be friends? Like they attack in groups? And she lives, Amy lives. Amy lives. She nearly dies, but she comes back in the Amy end. Lives. She does live, but like to make so much of the fact that it's a wasp's nest. Yeah, they are yellow jacket wasps, and they just clearly have footage of some like very <laughs> amiable honeybees. Just <laughs> the sweetest creatures, just yeah. swarming her. <laughs> and that that is also deeply not a wasp's nest that is hanging in that tree. We've all seen those asshole little wasp honeycombs hanging outside of our doors where we're like, oh my god, this is a full bee's nest hanging in a tree. We've seen my girl. We know what that bee's nest looks like. Indeed. It feels like bees were the mushrooms of the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> mushrooms really crested a couple of years ago for vengeance. They really crested. They really did, didn't they? I mean, if a bunch of beautiful blondes wanted to feed me poisonous mushrooms, I can't say I'd put up much of a fight. I'd be like, well, put up much of a fight, Jordan. You'd be posting inviting them over. Are there more blondes would, who want to feed? I would be like, mushrooms? could you have a recipe you would like me to prepare with your poison <laughs> mushrooms for me? Actually, to here I bought some poison mushrooms for you to feed me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a dinner party. 
We'll have a dinner party, I'll host. So watching yes. her put these bees into the room, I was like, wow, at 15, what a, what, first of all, what a genius, which has, it has been established that this character is brilliant. Um, but also it speaks to what I love about the film as a queer viewer. So all in the early nineties and into the late two thousands, we have like the erotic thriller boom, like once porn hits VHS and then that gets, that kind of like turns into uh, straight to DVD, like Skinamax type stuff. Then there's this weird like hybrid where you'll get like Devil in the Flesh 2 with Rose McGowan going up the stairs, cocking a shotgun and saying, why won't you love me? Why won't you love me? Which I couldn't identify anymore with. And, <laughs> yeah. there are, <laughs> and then there are films like The Crush. And what I love about it is the idea that these films are supposed to be marketed. They're, they're for men, right? They're movies told from a male perspective for men and yet. Where they live on, baby. Where, they live, where on. they live on, where they, where they, where they are immortalized is here with queers and women. And I know for me, I see myself in Adrian. Um, I mainly because as a kid, like as a teen who wanted to be seen and was not because I'm queer, I don't fit in. I didn't have that kind of sex appeal, and I would see a character like her and be like, I wish I had what she had. I wish I had that kind of power. Like she walks into a room and. And she has choices. <laughs> First off, you're right. The bar is you're so right. low to say that, but like for me, I didn't, right? So it's like seeing I was so drawn to these types of characters who who could take control of a situation and enact revenge on people who were obviously so wrong to her. Like this is a story about a guy who um was grooming a, a child and then gets upset when it works. I tell you, if you were 10 years old, you'd what? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> when like he does such a good job that he has to co that he has to pay the the price for what he has acquired. Oh shit! People are gonna notice. It, I did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Like we have. It's that's fascinating. And we what we've talked about like with 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 promising young woman being to me in conversation with this legacy of burgeoning neo exploitation films that I really pegged to starting with like in its stylishness and its sort of millennial sensibility with things like um, American Mary and Jennifer's body and teeth and around the late aughts mm -hmm. and how I see that as sort of like a common conversation sort of set of films where these movies really begin the seeds of them are planted in the nineties in the erotic thriller bingo because we are in this like it, it's this. Soft, like, as Sam has brilliantly pointed out, like, with the advent of the internet, softcore doesn't exist anymore. Softcore is a relic of an earlier time. There, there, you don't need softcore anymore in the world that we live in. So we're in this time between the liberalization of cinema, the, like, reactiveness of the culture to, like, we're in, like, a, not a post-AIDS world, but an AIDS-reactive world, where we have new queer cinema is burgeoning and completely fucking up the rules of film. And we have the indie cinema movement rising, and we have porn coming to home video and we have all of these things happening at the same time where we're rushing toward the 21st century and it's you know girl power feminism and it's the spice girls rising and women taking control of their bodies and agency and like third wave feminism and it's like what if femme fatales but also lolitas and so it's this insane amalgamation of the ultimate regression of how we view like women in sexual binaries at the same time with like the sexual liberalization that's constantly marching forward in our popular media. And we're moving toward the Britney Spears era where we're going to implant like the erotic thriller, Lolita, Poison Ivy, crush sensibility into our fucking child, into our child stars. It is a wild west time. But I think, but I, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's a femme fatale meets Lolita, 100%. But Sam, as you said, it, it is empowering in a weird way in a fucked up way, because the thing about her is that she's scary. Yeah. Usually, usually you get, you know, and like, I suppose when I was watching this film, maybe it was just before, but it wasn't long before you start feeling the way that you move around the world being, you know, is forever changed basically. And suddenly you're aware of the like, the looks and, um, and so to see somebody who's like, yeah, who's gonna just go fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is it's really appealing. And it, and it, and it does like, she is kind of, she's kind of just so, um, uh, inspiring. <laughs> Accidents happen, Nick. 
<laughs> well, no, even in even in other films in the time, like I'm thinking about like Boxing Helena in 1983, or even in uh, in Poison Ivy because that came up. But we get these women that I also identify with, who are very powerful, with who are heavenly very powerful, creatures. heavenly creatures. Sure, like there, but there are these moments that are almost accidental for, like like because they're so for the male gaze. There's still like a moment where in Boxing Helena she's jumping through a fountain, right? But in The Crush, every single moment of Adrian being sexualized. She is the person who who made it happen, at least in the framing of this film. She is she is putting herself on display. She is choosing where to sunbathe. She is choosing to she's asking to get him in the car and go a place. Now, I know that that's a device to kind of get Nick off the hook for being responsible. And he's obviously responsible for that. Mm -hmm. But I think what makes her so powerful is that she is so she is presented as so in charge of her choices. Oh, Nick, can't you come out and play? No, Adrian, I'm under deadline. Yeah. Well, and she's also, <clears throat> she's also, this is, it would be easy to make an introducing Alicia Silverstone, a, a, a shocking, I mean, it's, it's truly incredible to behold when you witness somebody who the camera loves so much and who the cam and who loves the camera back. And it is even among star power, it is rare to experience a kind of beauty that Alicia Silverstone is and has. And that is not the entirety, that's not the totality of her talents, but it would be easy to hang on the unique physical presence of Alicia Silverstone, the entire character of Darian, but she is playing six-dimensional chess. Darian is smarter than everybody in this movie. She's smarter than everybody in the room. And I love that that agonizing scene on the dock where you're like, Carrie, get away from her, get away from her, get away from her, oh my God, fuck, 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 fuck. She also, like, there is that moment of vulnerability. There is that moment of kernel of truth when she's like, kids think I'm weird. I don't have any friends. This is a girl who does exist in isolation. And when you are that age and you are that pretty, part of that isolation is how pretty you are. I remember when the first girl in my elementary school got boobs. And this was elementary school. This was fifth grade. And suddenly everybody showed up the next day noticing, being like, Amy's a slut. We didn't know what that mm. fucking word meant, but we know it was a word that you used for girls that looked more grown than they were. And this girl, Darian, absolutely in this world would exist alienated from her peers for just how the accident of her physical reality and for how much smarter and further along than she was than everybody else. This girl would be acting out for connection. That is fucking true. Definitely. Definitely. I mean... 100% and Alicia Silverstone you're absolutely right like in terms of like pure megawatt star quality I can't think of anyone who has what she you know I'm sure she's, she's singular she's singular she's completely singular and and you're right it does it was genius casting because she is an outlier so it does make what he does seem more excusable, you know, because she feels like otherworldly in her extreme beauty and kind of, even the way her face is shaped, she's so, she has a kind of, I, I you know, a sort of petulance to the way that she is and the way that she speaks as well. Her voice is kind of the same and it's why she was so perfect in Clueless because she was this kind of just like, I don't know, yeah, sort of like sulky. The yeah. girl. And uh, generationally incredible hair. Yeah. I mean, like, well, in the first time we, the moment we see Darian in this movie is the incredible, like, shaky zoom when Dick Carrie always is about to hit her with a car because she's just blithely rollerblading in the street. And when we first, like, yes, we see her in the incredible gingham bikini later on, and she's, like, definitely choosing to position herself under a window to be gazed upon by a man out in the sun. But when we first see her, she has the incredible sunglasses on. She's chewing the gum. Nobody's ever chewed. Oh she God. invented chewing gum. She did. She's Whoa, wearing... She invented it. You're right. She invented chewing gum. We've all been trying to copy her since. And she's wearing, like, jean shorts and a normal shirt, pads on her elbows and knees and fucking roll. She's in the dorkiest ass outfit imaginable. <laughs> like, when we meet this girl, we're not following the curves of her. But when we see her... We said you stop. I mean, it is a car crash moment. It is a cinema car crash moment. You feel that record scratch, yeah. and you're like, "Who is that?" You all did it too, Who right? Like, like I have my dollar store sunglasses, or I got him in like a pinata, right? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. chewing gum outside my house, trying to practice that look. You guys did. I 
I identify on the asexual spectrum and I was fucking doing that. I was like, I am not trying to have sex with anyone in this world, but I want to be this. Like, because this is, this is power. It felt like power. It is power. The moment you see her, it feels like power. For, like, physical but transcendent ways. It, that's it. Is it just kind of, because, because there's such a complicated tension, isn't there? With all desire, actually. Yeah. Particularly when it comes to that, that, that moment, that awful, terrifying, but weirdly powerful moment when you first realize, or you have, it's so complicated. You're given the illusion of control because suddenly you feel like you can make people, you can, you know, you can lie under somebody's window in a swimsuit make them lose their minds and and you don't yet understand that you don't have any power yeah really that's what's so frightening that's what i know now that i didn't know then i thought she did have the power then and she didn't and so and you have no sense of what responsibility is in that sense like regard you have a modicum of power but you are not at all we are not women are not i don't think young queer boys are not educated in the notion that somebody else also bears responsibility in an interaction you have with them because it is all put on the shoulders of the young and the desirable and it is entirely their responsibility for how everybody reacts around them because we are completely spared that notion of responsibility from anybody but the choices we make and and what we elicit in this world you sure you're only 14 almost 15 so of course why wouldn't you just pursue the power that's the fun part that's Mm -hmm. that's more fun than responsibility and consequences Uh, well i could i love the I, I love that you brought it there because that's I I think that to me that's the hardest part about this genre with me I have an like an internal struggle with the fact that I love I love erotic thriller I will I will watch every I'll watch part five of whatever is out there that you didn't know you know what I mean like I, I the when I talked to Sam about wild things once and I don't think Sam has seen wild things one but it's three is the only one you've seen correct I had seen one but I saw three first that was it yeah <laughs> He will watch part five. I'll watch all of it. <laughs> and and I just, uh, and and so I'm torn because the way that I experienced them growing up is different than I experienced them as an adult. And a character, and and, and we were talking about Elisa Silverstone, and I think that she's something really important to point to because when she, while she was 15 filming The Crush, I know when I first saw it, I assumed she was an adult playing a kid. She is a kid playing a kid. You know, that year she won Best break, Breakout Performance at the MTV Awards and Best Villain, yep. which by the and way- Best Villain. I think she's best hero, but I get it. Best villain. I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> then when we look at her career, though, she's 17 in those Aerosmith videos. She does three Aerosmith videos where she plays essentially a Lolita. Every male partner is an adult. Um, it's somebody older. She's like there. She leaves in one of the videos. She like leaves school to join a strip contest. A stri- like, like, I mean, it is like it is straight up this. But again and again, because that's what we culturally are asking for. And the and same then, in the babysitter. That's what I was going to say. The, the babysitter. Yep. From the moment she arrived. The husband had temptations. Hey, that's a cute outfit you got on. Thanks, Mr. Tucker. The wife had suspicions. I don't know if I trust that girl. The boyfriend had desires. Which, because that was a favorite of mine, which I, God knows why, it's it's so boring, but I, I love it. I've never seen the babysitter. So she's 17 in The Babysitter, um, like in real life, but also the character. And and The Babysitter is uh, based on a short story by Raymond Carver, I believe, but it's uh, because I love the story. And I saw the movie, but it's basically three men fantasizing about an underage girl. The only person I think The Babysitter needs to be protected from is you. Lies The Babysitter. <laughs> and how in doing so, like it causes complete chaos you know if this girl just wasn't so beautiful maybe people would have lived <laughs> you know well and then there's there's also true there's also true crime where she plays, she a, plays teenager a teenager that like yep yep weeks after graduating by the way at the end of the film is like now a police cadet like i mean yeah who a police officer begins per adult police officer begins pursuing in the film and so when she hits 19 at batman and robin her career then that's when people start commenting about like her body and her choices and that sort of thing america like we we as Hollywood and Joel are, Schumacher, a gay man, the first person to not Lolita eyes her, and right, in fact, the very first. make her a super high, superhero in the most equal opportunity fetishized superhero movie we've ever had, with you know the butts, 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 boobs, zoom in right. in like amazing bisexual light, and he's ridiculed, and so all yep. of this is for me to just say that her career throughout all of her teens is thriving on that Lolita image, and it's being constantly reinforced because of the culture in which it emerges. I think. Yeah. I don't know. And because all these things present her as being powerful for it, but 
But then isn't that interesting that she then, the moment she really did hit womanhood, mm -hmm. people were disturb more disturbed by that yes. than they had been before. And we're getting into, and we're getting into the vicious late 90s. We're getting into the millennium era turn culture where when she's cast in Batman and Robin, the thing that you can't stop hearing about is Elisa Silverstone's fat in the Batgirl suit. Oh my God, I can't. Oh yeah, that was the, that was, was the, the tabloid. tabloid thing was Alicia Silverstone like puts on pounds yep. as Batgirl. Cause she, she's not, she's not 14 anymore. I remember, oh it gave me a complex cause those, I remember those tabloids would talk about like the exact number. And I was thinking, did I add that number? Like that kind of thing. And so, yeah, all of this is really interesting to me because I can't watch The Crush without thinking about the whole conversation at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's why this, I mean, it's kind of like the erotic thriller era is like the we gave you all the clues, Mr. Police Officer, like recent era <laughs> of film, where it's like like all of the lessons, like so many of, of the lessons of misogyny are right there for us to learn. And thank God we're coming into this moment where we're reevaluating millennium era culture. Yes. The Britney documentary, Britney free, Britney free of her conservatorship. The legal battles continue, but she is a free woman. But the way we are examining the way Paris was perceived, the way we are examining the way Britney was destroyed, Destroyed. The way we are examining the Perez Hilton era of celebrity blogger culture that bled into and influenced mainstream media culture, creating pervy profiles from the, you know, hallowed halls of Rolling Stone at that time that perfected that leering, pervy, snarky perspective. We look at, like, we see so many of these things where it's like, wow, guys, if we had just been willing to and able to engage textually and subtextually in the erotic thrillers of the era, we could have been having fun this entire time while also understanding how much was at work in the vernacular of our culture. These are the most incredible films to look back on for what they give us. Totally. I mean, I mean, yes, yes, all of that. Tell me about the and, Sorry. No, no, please. Sorry. Sorry. You go. You much more important. <laughs> <laughs> We're here all the time. I, honestly, I'm, I, I was just going to ask you about the psych ward scene and what you thought, because I would love to hear the witch scene, the ending where she's in the psych ward and kind of flirting with a doctor oh. and what you make of that and how you feel about it. I love it. I want a I mean, I genuinely want a sequel. Yeah. And and also like again, I was like watching it this time. I was like, you get it. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> get it. Like this is the problem because all of the stuff during all the stuff that you're talking about now is so fascinating because all of the context that you discussed. This is what we all grew up. With. Yes. Yeah. These were our formative films. These are our formative films. So like those erotic thrillers that were like deeply disturbing and wrong and show and kind of showcase power dynamics that were like terrible. Mm -hmm what we grew up thinking was fantasy like stimulating and sexy like that is, is super super dark and worrying and like and so and it takes such a long time to sort of disentangle that and you know re-watching this stuff is mm -hmm. fascinating as an adult because you're like oh god this all what a stew what a like what a stew to have been like eating up when we were younger yeah and and but you said that you said that um you said that a, a bit earlier that that we don't have erotic we don't have erotic thrillers anymore you're absolutely right because there's no world for them but I disagree fundamentally and it's why I desperately want to make an erotic thriller tell us tell us <laughs> I want to make an erotic thriller because I think I've been sitting here this entire conversation imagination journeying an Emerald Fennell erotic thriller in my head so I, I have been saying like for years saying to people like please we want to we want to get an erotic proper erotic thriller but because for me what miss what is missing between mainstream cinema even indie cinema and porn is something sexy with a story yeah 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 because actually, I would say arguably all of this stuff, I mean, the crush, not so much because it is just like a bridge too far, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like some of it. And I'm glad we got to cross that bridge at one point in time. I'm glad that we still have it. It's, there's a, there is a bridge, yeah. <laughs> but I think that, you know, watching all of that stuff, what was I watching? It's much earlier, but Postman always wins twice. And I was mm. like, you would never two huge stars <laughs> there are scenes that are just like extraordinarily sexy <laughs> it's not even like you see it. i can't even remember uh, 
I can't quite remember now exactly whether you even see anything necessarily, but it's not about seeing it, it's about like what you're not seeing. And you're just, you would never get the stars of today doing that. I think that. that's a crucial, I think that's a, there's a, and, and, continue. So, no, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 please, please, please. I'm too excited. Um, because also I think that like, also I should say sidebar, nobody should feel they have to either. Like, yeah. I do not, and I genuinely believe in this, is like a conversation I've had with all my friends. When I first started acting, whenever it was like 10 years ago, every single script, I would say 50-50 would require nudity. And we're talking like TV shows where, about like vets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I say about the family fucking dog. And it's like, um, um, Alice gets out of the bar and drives herself off <laughs> thinking. <laughs> 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 well, that's why that's why your that's one of the reasons why your cameo in Promising Young Woman is so genius, where you pop up and it's it's Emerald Fennell teaching us how to have perfect blowjob lips and like in a makeup tutorial, because at any point in time in a movie, blowjob lips could be necessary. Who knows? I mean, they are. They always are. I would. I would. <laughs> but, no, so, but I do think about the erotic thriller. It's such an interesting one. How do we do it in the age of you know, really important consent conversations. Yes. Is it possible? Like, are there, because you, you know, I remember what it felt like. And I was very lucky because I was incredibly well protected by like very lovely people. And, you know, and and so I, I kind of, but like people will always say they're comfortable with something if they want to do it, you know? So like, again, the responsibility that you have as an older person to be like, well, they're cool with it, but are oh, they? Like, it's, again, it's Alicia and um, Carrie Elwes. It's the same thing. It's like, she thinks she knows. Yeah. We can be friends. You don't have to. I know I don't have to. It's not a have to kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, she thinks she does. She's she's certain. She's certain. She doesn't. No, because she can't know what she can't know. But he's old enough to. But it, he is with Carrie Elwes. <laughs> and he's the it's, he's a writer in the nineties. Oh, hang on, he is because I wrote down this quote: <laughs> a writer for our favorite magazine, Peak Magazine. P i q u e. Just to it say. is P-I-Q. That I did not Wow. Know. And he is known as Nick Elliott the Pitbull. <laughs> He's so good at his job. And yet, Alicia Silverstone slash Dorian, 14-year-old girl, is able to rewrite his, his article. Absolutely. So Unbelievable. One of the best moments in this entire movie is her being like, your conjunction's terrible, you old silly. Like, just <laughs> fucking drag him, Darian. Yeah. Poor Nick. You have such a terrible time with the objective case. And your split infinitives put such a stress on the adverb. And he goes to work and his, like, hilarious old-timey boss yeah. is like, this is the best you've ever done. You know. <laughs> Just everything about it is just like del delicious. Delicious. Also, the delicious. bar is so low for men. I mean, my yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? right. This 14 year old rewrote your paper on a school night. <laughs> and it's the best you've ever done. The bar is so low. Look, I know I'm not the world's greatest writer, but believe me, it's, it's hard to take being better by a 14 year old kid. Yeah, she she did this. She crept into your room and did this on stolen time on a school night. And it was still better than what you had like slaved over, pal. There's a moment at the end that just makes it all like it puts it into focus for me as, as far as like the director's kind of version of what we're seeing and what we're seeing, what I'm seeing. And it's when um when she gets punched from the carousel fully across the room, like her big like KO moment is like he punches Alicia and she goes flying like video game flying and i'm like oh this like, yeah like a marvel film that's the moment and where I'm lands, like lands can we just say on a kind of like mountain of rags <laughs> <laughs> lands elegant on, she lands on rag mountain yes yeah, yeah. yes <laughs> it, 
I mean, that punch we were wound, and I'm sorry to say, like, obviously not to make light of, you know, violence against young women, but the way that they choose to, the stuff people really use them time, they had their time in the sun. (laughs) Full cartoon violence. That's, and, <laughs> and, and that's why I actually think it like, that to me is almost like one of the, I know it's like the most actually fundamentally heterosexual moment where he's like, okay, I am going to justify the, the vanquishing of this young teen, but like, I'm seeing queer, 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 because like, <laughs> this is drag. This is like, <laughs> this is just full over the top, hit the gas. Like I'm ready for Daria to stand up and start a dance number. So I'm dance. <laughs> and like, Just none of us would be surprised. Yeah, yeah, that to me, and, and that is something I love about the crush is that all the way to the end, it just keeps escalating. Cause the merry ground in the attic, that's only halfway. The B, <laughs> we're not even in the third act. It's like, it just finds a way one after another. It just finds another way to constantly give us more. And I, <sighs> and, and as we approach a decade of films that just give us more, more, uh, more, more, more. You know, it, this is the perfect setup for what we're about to get, I think, for the next like 10 years. You're so right, because also it is like the things that I, because because the, the silly notes that I wrote, like everything is so, like in every scene, it's like, yes, but with a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. She's sitting backwards on the chair. <laughs> Yes, but she's swinging actively. Yes, but she's honest. Exactly. Yes, and she's playing Rachmaninoff or whatever. <laughs> Just every single, every choice that they've made in this film is the most extreme choice yes. that anyone has ever made. It is maximalism. This is erotic thriller maximalism. Totally. And it's just like pure pleasure. Yes. And it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Because there's so much rock, but even you know, you can intellectualize it, but you're sitting there watching it. But of course, I watched it with my husband, who had never seen it before, and he was like, I cannot believe, I cannot believe that this was the movie that you watched. He was like, I cannot and I can <laughs> yeah. This is the movie you watched like a thousand times growing up, because this is like disturbing and well, he felt that it wasn't a great movie. <laughs> wow. Like we said, it lives on with women and queers. Here it is. <laughs> yeah, but I love that. Point. I love that for you as a couple that he now he now know experienced with you this fundamental part of your personality. That's beautiful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a, on our tenth anniversary, we finally watched the crush together, kind of thing. You were talking about the ending, and you asked me, but I didn't ask you back. What do you guys feel about the ending? I well, first off, I love any time a film is gonna make us like we're just a bunch of empty halls and like some chairs. I love it. Give me, give me a psych ward without a person in sight. I love it. I don't want I, <laughs> unsupervised. Like, no oversight. There, there has to be somebody drawing something. There has to be. <laughs> like this is giving me. This is giving me little every- drawing witches. Little drawing witches everywhere. Because you know, you know, she's done some therapy. If she's drawing, great. <laughs> we have the doctor who is just completely not doing his job. And I love that too. Like I love, like not concerned she's not at school. Like he's like, oh, go off to class. Is there a high school in this psych ward? I want all of it. I want I want the sequel to start right there. But I, why I, what interests me about the ending is the idea that she's still out there just waiting to ruin another good man's life. Yeah. Just wish everyone was as, as understanding as you are. Well, they will be. It's just going to take time for people to see that you've changed. Okay? Mm-hmm. I love that because there are no good men. And so seeing her <laughs> with this doctor and knowing, okay, yes, yeah, she is. She is still out there protecting the streets as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> what I what I love about this ending is it's exactly the same thing, Sam, where... I, for, for like myself and my continued enjoyment of these things, I have to see these movies as good for her movies. Like in that way that like, it's like, I watched Jerry Maguire again and realized that Avery was right the entire time. <laughs> like in the way that like, kind of like, yeah, leave your deadbeat boyfriend. Who gives a shit? Go thrive. And so like, I watch these kinds of movies and what I, the movie Dream Lover really encapsulates this for me, where it the movie unveils itself. Ha- James Spader, Maidchen Amick, 1994, erotic thriller. You can't think of a hotter parent. Than I have not seen this. Dream catcher. Dream lover. Dream lover. The movie 
completely explains itself and unveils itself by the halfway point. So you're like, what the fuck do we do with the rest of this erotic thriller when we just arrived at the crescendo at the midway point and now the game, the game's in the open. And what I love about this movie and what I love about every erotic thriller is that the man will make the same mistake in every movie, in every situation, in every permutation, in every context. And you get to that fucking doctor you just have fucking doctor and he's like they just need to know that you're better he knows what she did he's her care provider and he's like you know what i can do i can change her i'm the guy i mean i i can i can do it and she's definitely 15 now not definitely not legal but like she's better now because i helped her and i'm a daddy figure to her and i'm a teacher figure to her and i'm a doctor figure to her and i have all this power and i'm gonna help her and i'm gonna get this girl ready for when she's 18 and i love the idea that she's about to fucking wreck this man because he with full knowledge of the events that have precipitated the moment that she's in right now is about to make the same exact choices that the un- allegedly unawares man in carrie always and nick made before because it actually doesn't fucking matter how much they know yes because but maybe also there's a reason like what is like the psych ward is empty maybe because he is a terrible, terrible doctor. (laughs) (laughs) She has been writing letters to Nick. That is true. And somebody is posting them. And nobody's posting them. They're covered in hearts. I mean, it's, you're so right. That's such a fascinating thing. You're absolutely right. It doesn't matter what the context is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the dynamic is. It doesn't matter how much they know. In fact, of course, as we know in real life, the more they know, the more vulnerable you are because the more they can get away with. Mm-hmm. So actually she's, I mean, there is so much, like somebody remake, somebody remake the crush. I think I, I think, I think we might be Emerald. I think I actually, like the psycho. Like, like yeah and also like in, in the shot for shot of it the the poster also shot for shot recreation just a different man in the sunglasses because it is that that poster and the font in particular which is exquisite i used a lot for the promising i work like oh. when i was saying like guys i wish i would show them the crush and everyone was like why why is everything that you like <laughs> <laughs> But I'm glad you I have an original I have an original theatrical one sheet of the crush in my my movie poster collection and it's it like I have a quite a number of like gorgeous beautiful limited edition like prints that have come but like that hangs with absolutely everything else that I own it is a gorgeous perfect artistic expression of that whole movie Emerald I will ask since I know that you're you know I want to honor your time and I know we're almost there is there anything on your notes anything on that that sheet that you were like, I didn't get to hit it and I would love to. Yeah, is the closet, is the through the closet door scene in your notes? I don't know. Oh my God, the closet. I mean, we can't even get, I mean, I don't even know. What have I got here? I've just written, I've just written, yeah. I mean, cigar, <laughs> yeesh. <laughs> yeesh. Yeesh. Uh, and then I wrote yeah. Just an underline for every time you said it again and again and again. Yeah, Ye- the accusation in brackets, 90s, question mark. <laughs> that stuff, it starts getting uh, really, there is a moment, I mean, I think also there's a reason why maybe I'm shying away a little bit from maybe the kind of like middle part of this, or the like latter end of this movie, because it does get really inexcusable <laughs> and i would say that deeply was sneaking in to watch me undress a mistake too but again the voyeurism the voyeurism the like eyes through the slats of him watching her mm-hmm. you know and the steamy thing and him looking at her like i know that in america you call them panties which i find like truly distressing to oh say no I, I, I will not <laughs> that is not a word i accept i would call them knickers um the whole thing is so difficult because I think that had such a huge impact on on all certainly of like the girls that I knew growing up of that thing of like a lot of complications of desire was about being watched even in secret like so much of that and then she knows there's that game that she knows she's being watched so it sort of has this odd fraught thing but I just think when I watched it I was like god that you know so much of our 
stuff growing up was like you being watched is what you're there for mm. being watched is what sex is being watched is what where your power is and so it it's 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 kind of awful to watch as an adult when you see kind of how yeah how it bled into so many people's lives I think and 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 yeah set up a lot of very like damaging stuff things I suppose and well, so in- I'm being a 10 out of 10 <laughs> 10 out of 10 <laughs> yeah in addition to being a fucking hall of fame level erotic thriller scene like this is this is the conversation about this film that I've been wanting to have. I am thank you so much for bringing everything that you brought to this. I, I will truly thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking this time with us. It has. Don't be so silly. I honestly could talk about this with you guys for another like ten hours because <laughs> it's so interesting and I love it and um, I love your podcast and all of your writing and everything you guys do. So thank you, thank you for having me, Emerald. Thank you so so much. I, I have to get I, I I given given the window of opportunity, I simply must take it to get earnest. Um, I cannot overstate the importance of um your Oscar winning film. Yes. On on to both of us in this podcast. Um, Absolutely. it was the last thing I saw before I went into lockdown, and before everything went into lockdown, and I fully I exited. I I first put my head between my knees when the credits started rolling. Then I stood up and I walked out of the theater and and I almost like a delirious haze. Just I didn't go back to work for two hours because I just walked. And I was just, um, I hadn't, I hadn't had an experience like that with the movie before. And then I remember when Sam saw it and it was just, I like, we were like, so that's the best movie. Uh, like period. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it's something that I went and I, I know personally I saw again and again. And then I uh, started calling up people I used to date just to find more excuses to watch the, watch it again. I'd be like, you should see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it just, thank you so much for such an important, um, important work in our lives mm-hmm. and and something that like was as wildly entertaining and weighty and substantial and, jo- and joyful and horrifying as it is densely intellectually challenging and uh that is a rare thing and to, for you to come on and just be so um fucking resplendent and game and down to talk about the crush as well um i can't thank you enough for the the, the totality of all of that so thank you Awesome. It's been such a pleasure. And um, thank you. Thank you guys so much. Lovely to meet you. Bye. Thank you. It was great to meet you. Bye, Emerald. Great to meet you. Bye, Emerald. I got to say, when she got out, when she scrambled for to write down Devil in the Flesh 2, I about died. <laughs> I was so happy. Like, I, I was just like, okay, this is a person who knows who I am and who also sees themselves. <laughs> That, that uh, like, if I were to have a Super Yaki shirt that nobody would buy, it really, truly would be Rose McGowan holding a shotgun that says, why won't you love me? <laughs> yeah. I, it is. I absolutely loved, by the way, um, when you talked about, like, like her walking into a room and having choice. That was, like, one of my favorite things you've ever said. And really? I, watching her react to that was so special. I was like, oh, my God, I love this moment. Oh, Jordan, thank you. Oh, yeah, that was I, like, it was so, it was just, when you find, when when you, when a person finds the exact words that are like maybe slightly, the, the words you would never expect, but perfectly encapsulates a feeling or an expression, it's, yeah. it's like the most beautiful gift of language. And to have like that, she could walk into a room and she had choices. And that as like the implication, the, the inverse of that being like you feeling that is aspirational because you did not and her having choices and what the implication of what choices means for right. like, power and embody like that it was like oh wow what a what a turn even just talking in emerald i realized so much about how i feel about these films because mm. when i shared that that the fantasy of having choices and she shared that what it feels like at the time to feel that that's what it meant and then yeah. later to realize that you don't have choices I think why I love the erotic thriller genre uh-huh. is because it perpetuates the fantasy of choice. And as somebody who That's didn't have choice, mm-hmm. yeah, I never had that. And so of course I'm going to love a genre where the person is powerful and at physically and sexually powerful yep. and they, and they get to have what they want when I didn't. Yep. Uh, yes, of course that's my favorite genre. And, and, and the reason why it falsely 
perpetuates that myth is because it's through the lens of straight men. Mm -hmm. But even so, it does. It perpetuates it in a way that I get to grab on and say, that's me. I, I learned so much even just about myself this episode. Uh, so I'm so grateful that she came on because um, when I shared that, she really shared a perspective that I hadn't thought of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and took that one step further. It was great. And and to be able to take it, bring in the actual real life conversation about Alicia and the way mm-hmm. that culturally we uh, we look like what roles were available mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the way that those roles reinforced this attitude. I really loved it. And that's it, friends. Uh, you might have heard us mention 2021 in that conversation, which means we recorded this uh, some time ago. And me and Sam have just been <laughs> waiting on pins and needles uh, until we had enough episodes accumulated to start dropping a new season. We have been so excited for you guys to hear this, for you guys to hear Emerald, and we hope you love her and the crush and us in this pod as much as we do. Thanks, everybody.